Breaking the Borderline Stigma. I'm Kristen Nicole. I'm a life coach for highly sensitive women and women with borderline personality disorder, helping you to create a protective emotional skin to learn to love all of you and to let your gorgeous light shine despite the darkness. And by the way, I'm also a highly sensitive person and a BPD conqueror myself. Well, hello and welcome back, my beautiful BPD and or HSP friend. I am so happy to have you here as always. And in today's episode, I want to talk a little bit about what to do when you don't know what to do. So what do I mean by this? Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you just are so overwhelmed, so drained, so whether you're sensory overwhelmed, overloaded, or emotionally overloaded, or you just have come off of an argument or disagreement or out of a situation, and it's almost like you don't even know what happened. And so you don't know how to respond. And so immediately, you probably go into some sort of reaction mode. At least that's something that has happened to me in the past. So Sometimes you can get so overwhelmed, or I should say I can get so overwhelmed when, and this doesn't happen to me as much anymore, but it used to all the time. But when things just get to be too much and it's like, oh my gosh, I don't even know where to start. I don't know what to do. I don't know why that just happened. I don't know where that reaction came from, that sort of thing. So I'm going to give you the secret to what to do when you don't know what to do. And this is really the secret to start the process of change. So are you ready for it? Here's what it is. The first thing you want to do, the secret to starting the process of change is to create awareness So what do I mean by creating awareness? When things come up, when you feel stuck or when you feel overwhelmed, the first thing you want to do is you're going to notice that you're overwhelmed and you, and maybe you don't, maybe you just go into reaction mode. And in which case, at some point, when you start to calm down and you start to think rationally, Because thinking rationally is not necessarily possible when you are in a trauma response mode, when you are in a reaction mode, your prefrontal cortex goes offline. And that's the thinking part of the brain. Okay, so your animal brain takes over when you're in a sort of threat response, which a lot of times someone with BPD, and I would say a lot of us HSPs as well, are very much in a reaction threat response mode 
a lot of the time before we start to have this awareness of it. Because a lot of things kind of creep in and start to set that off. And if we haven't created an awareness about it, then we're very hypervigilant. We're very cautious. We're always wondering when's the other shoe going to drop, essentially. We're always looking for the danger. We're always looking for the threat. We're always ready to jump at a moment's notice. And that comes from a lot of painful past learnings, a lot of trauma. And so when that happens, and you go into the throw response, your thinking brain goes offline. It just does. It goes offline. And you go into reaction mode, you go into the animal side of the brain. Now, the key is, when you first start to create this awareness, part of creating the awareness is it you're going to start to create the awareness after the incident happened, after the reaction happened, after the argument happened, whatever it is. Because that's when you're going to start thinking rationally. Now, there's some things you can do to kind of switch into that mode right away. You can go and hold some ice. You can go and take a cold shower. Um, If you start to react and respond right away. It shocks your nervous system and gets you back into that kind of thinking mode. But when you're first learning how to create the awareness within yourself as to what's going on and the fact that you're going into a trauma response, you're going into a fight or flight response, whatever yours may be, it may be a freeze response. um, But whatever your initial response may be, your initial reaction it's hard to actually know that that's happening until you start to create that awareness. So the incident, the incident has already happened after it happened. Start to think about how did you feel? How did your body feel when you started to react? If you were angry, did you feel hot Did you feel a tightening in your chest? Did you feel a lump in your throat? Like what was the sensation that you noticed going on inside of your body? And the reason for this is because then when something like this starts to repeat and it happens again, and you start feeling that in your body, that becomes a key or a clue that you're getting triggered by something. So, The other thing is notice, you want to notice when you got triggered. Okay, what was the response that happened or what was the incident that happened that caused you to go into that response? Another thing to create awareness around is noticing when you're having negative thoughts happen or you're getting into a negative thought pattern. And I mean, you might, be thinking, well, obviously I'm going to have no, when I'm having negative thoughts, like I, like I'm thinking them, but that's not really necessarily the case. We run on such an automatic pilot so much of the time that there could be these negative thoughts going on in our heads that we don't necessarily like, yes, we're thinking about them, but we don't necessarily 
associate them with being like, oh, this is not, this is a negative thought. Is this actually what's going on? Or is this just what I'm thinking about it? And it's a self-protective measure when we do this. The brain is really a very fascinating and beautiful thing. And so much of what we do and have learned, it comes from our brain protecting us for so many years from our childhood, from things that happened in our childhood, whether it was throughout the entire duration or it was pockets of time, but it's protecting us. But the problem is, is that when we we become adults, that's not necessarily a behavior that serves us anymore, but it still becomes kind of automatic. So there's, for example, I mean, even when I do these podcast recordings, it's like, I constantly have the thought, thought, am I really doing any good? Is it really even helping anybody? Oh, you know what? I should just stop because so-and-so's a lot better than me. She's having a bigger impact or he's having a bigger impact or um, they have more listeners. Why in the world would anybody want to listen to me? Like those are some of the thoughts that go into my head. And I haven't started to notice that. Um, and even before I started the podcast, I knew I get into that comparitis mode. I've talked about this before. I think it's very common. And it, it's it's interesting when I was watching Atlas of the Heart with Brene Brown, like she talks about, we are hardwired to compare. We are hardwired. There's literally nothing we can do about it. That what we can do about it, like we are going to compare, but what we can do, we can't stop the comparison. We can change the way we react to it and decide what steps we're going to take because of the comparison. Are we going to allow it to paralyze us? Or are we going to notice it? Again, have an awareness of it, notice it, and then decide, thanks, brain, that thanks, thanks for, for, for trying to keep me safe. But I'm actually going to do this other thing. And that's something that I work on my work on with, with my coach a lot, because there's a lot of things that I do that around something. I mean, that's something that is, I, I really, I still do a lot of the whole comparitis game, especially with having the podcast, building a business, raising kids, like pretty much everything. <laughs> I play the comparitis game. So I used to call my, I used to give it a name that, that protective brain, if you will, to try and differentiate it from it protecting me and what I actually want, because this can be a very limiting behavior, can cause very limiting behaviors because of the fact that it, it stops us in our tracks when we're ready to do something. And it, but it, but it comes from a self-protection mode. So my, my coach and I have affectionately nicknamed my brain when it does that asshole brain. Like my asshole brain is telling me that I'm not good enough. My asshole brain is telling me that nobody listens and nobody cares. Like this is just an example. Um, I know that you're listening and I love you for it. And I'm so glad that you are. Um, but this is just an example, right? So as opposed to saying, um, I'm an asshole, like it's, you know, or um, nobody's listening to me, nobody cares. It's, hey, brain, hey, my asshole brain's telling me this. And it's just amazing when you start to separate it of 
even just saying my brain, look, my brain is telling me this. And I'll tell you, I've noticed a difference even in conversations I have with my husband where like, I'm feeling like I'm not good enough. Or if I'm feeling like I'm a bad mom, I'll tell him, look, my brain is telling me this story as opposed to just approaching it and saying, I feel like, and, and I, I can't honestly explain why it's so much more beneficial for me. Um, I think that both are good. Both have their, their merits, like at least saying I'm having the feeling of, as opposed to my brain is telling me like, there's just, I would invite you to give it, give it a try. My brain is telling me I'm not good enough. My brain is telling me you're going to leave me. Like that could be a good one. A lot of times sensitive individuals, individuals with BPD have fear of abandonment. And again, it goes back to childhood often. Um, You know, again, blanket statements are never good, but um, in lieu of us actually having a one-on-one conversation, it's difficult for me to not make a blanket statement in that sense because I don't know your specific situation. But a fear of abandonment is often a very big trigger for someone with BPD. And I would dare to say fear of abandonment is, is a trigger for a lot of people um, who have a sensitivity only because oftentimes our sensitivities tend to push people away because they don't know how to handle it, which is a whole other thing uh, that I could do a whole episode on. But so (laughs) I've kind of talked in a circle here, but my point is that the first step is to create awareness and it's hard to create awareness when you're in the moment. So you often need to start after the moment's happened and just start to recognize what was the situation? How did it feel in your body? Um, what were the thoughts that were going on? Okay. Because this is going to start to give you clues when it happens then again or earlier. And then you can start to realize when you're starting to react or have a trigger trauma response, as opposed to, um, after the fact. So the second part then, which I've already kind of demonstrated is you want to get curious about the situation. Why did I react that way? What bothered me so much about it? What do I know to be true about the situation? And this is something I've talked about before. What do I know to be true? Not how did it make you feel? Not um, an assumption about what was going on, just the actual facts. And this is a DBT skill, checking the facts, something that can, that is so helpful because it takes some of that emotion out of it. And your emotions are serving you. It's just, they may not be serving you in the best way. And so as I work with clients, these are things I start, we start to peel back together too. Um, And again, I mean, it's something that you could be working on with a therapist. I work on it a little bit differently because I'm not a therapist. Like I always tell you, I'm not a therapist, but I take a a 
bit of a different approach. And, and the people that I work with are normally at at least like a baseline. Um, though still in therapy, very likely, but I work with people to be able to move forward and some of DBT skills that it does that as well. I just would say that I dig, I don't want to say I dig a little deeper. Um, we take step by, you know, take very step by step. It's, it's obviously very personal, um, and individualized, but we start to examine recent situations and we start to examine future situations, meaning like what's preventing you from taking this step. It could be something like, um, oh, for example, if you were a business owner, okay. And you don't like, I'll, I'll give you an example of me. I don't like posting on social media. It is a, it is an energy drain for me. I get very distracted. So like if I were coaching myself, I would say, well, okay, so why do you feel like you need to post on social media? How do you feel when you post on social media? What is it that bothers you about it? So, and then I, you know, what are some steps that you could take? What could you do instead and still be able to put yourself out there, still be able to kind of get the word out about what you're doing or who you're helping or whatever. Um, and the answers to those questions then start to help us unravel what is going on in the asshole brain, <laughs> if you will, what is going on. But it all starts with awareness. I cannot stress this enough. Like you, it's really difficult to change patterns and behaviors if you have no awareness of the patterns and behaviors. Like how are you supposed to if you don't know you're doing something, right? It's the whole, I don't know what I don't know. And if you don't know what you're doing to cause a situation to escalate or to you don't know what you're doing to perpetuate the same cycles, then how are you supposed to get out of the cycle? You can't, you just can't. I mean, I don't think you can. I don't know. I don't know how in the world it would be possible to. So that would be my invitation for you over this night, these next couple of weeks until the, the, the next episode comes out is start to create that awareness piece. And you don't have to do anything with it. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. Just start to create the awareness. What are those patterns in your life that you would like to change? And then what happens in your life that keeps the pattern from repeating or keeps the pattern repeating, not from repeating, but repeating. And, and then start to get curious about it. So that is it for this episode. I hope that this has been helpful for you. Again, if you would like more of this, please book a discovery call with me. The link is in the show notes. And we can hop on a call 
and do a little bit of coaching and see if us working together is a fit for you or not. Again, I do have programs that range in price, whether it is a couple hundred bucks up to a few thousand dollars. It just depends on the um, the personalization that you would like. But the discovery call is your invitation to find out if it is a fit for you and, and experience a little bit of what coaching is like. Coaching for me has been by far the biggest game changer in helping me improve my mindset and helping me break down old patterns and behaviors. I always say DBT was the starting, it was the foundation, but it was the coaching that I got afterwards that really changed things for me. I cannot speak, I cannot, I cannot speak enough about it. And if I'm not the coach for you, that is absolutely, you know, no problem. I'm so happy to have you as a listener. I'm just saying it's something to consider because it really can make your life do a complete 180 if you're willing, if you, if, if that's a change you want to make. And it all starts with creating some awareness and then getting curious. So I hope this has been helpful for you. Thank you so much for listening. I wish you the very best, so much love and gratitude to you, sending you lots of light and love and virtual hugs. And I will chat with you next time. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed the podcast and would like one-to-one support, sign up for a free discovery call through the link in the show notes.